Good morning. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. My name is Pastor Tim. And I'm Pastor Harriet. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. Hey, if this is your first time coming to be with us online, we would love to hear from you. On the screen, there's a phone number there, 1910-400-1123. Just type in the blank there, welcome. That'll let us know you came to be with us. We're so glad you're here. You ready for church today? I'm ready for church. Let's do it. Hello to our online church community. I hope you're having a great morning. Thanks for tuning in with us. I really need you to know how much I miss you. I really do. I miss, miss, miss you. I miss seeing your faces. I miss the high fives, the hugs, all that comes along with you being with me in church. But I'm really glad you're here right now. And so I want you to know I'm praying for you. I am asking God to bless your life, to keep you safe, to prosper you through this crazy season that we are in. We are going to continue with our online church service. It is still the safest way for you to worship with us. If you are in a vulnerable place with your health, then you need to be online. There is some risk to coming into an in-person service, so we encourage you to stay online with us. We're going to bring the very best we have for our online church services. So we are going to have our in-person service each week moving forward. I do need you to pay attention to our social media, the emails that we send out to keep you abreast of what we're doing. We are working towards having some limited number of kids in service. For now though, we'll continue with where we are with somewhere around 140 people or less in church. You need to register online. If you're able to be part of that, we'd love for you to be. If not, this is a great place for you. Do me a favor if you're online, kind of put like prayer hands on there that you're just believing that God is going to bless you and bless today. Amen, amen. All right, so listen, I think that I need to take a moment today in my message, a uh, moment in our series today to address racial injustice. Our nation has been rocked once again from racial injustice. I really believe that the church should be relevant and should talk about cultural topics as they come. I think that the church sometimes gets a little quiet. Our TVs are talking about it, social media is talking about it, and I believe the pulpits need to be talking about the relevant issues. The church pulpits need to proclaim God's word, we need to proclaim God's hope, we need to proclaim God's truth and His solutions in every cultural pro problem going on. I want to personally, and as a pastor of this church, as the pastor of this church, I want to publicly speak against racism. I want to condemn all acts of injustice towards the African American community. And I declare that our church stands for you, we stand for unity, we stand for fairness and love for one another. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 26, if one member suffers, then we all suffer together. And so we hurt with one another, we feel your pain, and we are standing with you. Life Church is and will always be, and hopefully even expanding, in the fact that we are a multiracial church. We're a multinational church. We're a multi-generational church. 
We are part of the family of God. We are a, a one body, one people. We are kingdom of believers who are one in the Lord. And we are set apart for the Lord's work and for His glory. And we will continue to be that. In this church, we will work for unity and we'll address the hard topics as they come. So today we're going to be right back in the middle of unity, discussing the topic, hoping to bring some uh, unity, hoping to bring some help and healing into this as we go forward. My sermon is about humility because I believe humility draws us closer to unity. Humility is an attitude, it's a, it's a motivator that helps us help others. And so humility, my sermon title today is Humility for Unity. Humility for Unity. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called When Life Gives You Lemons. And it's out of the book of Philippians, and the Apostle Paul wrote it to a church there in Philippi. They were going through difficulties, and Paul was going through difficulties. And this whole book helps us deal with life when it brings us problems. And so our series, When Life Brings You Lemons, we just didn't realize fully how much of a lemon life was bringing us. We could talk about the coronavirus and businesses shutting down, job losses, schools shutting down, churches shutting down, uh, stay-at-home guidelines, isolation and loneliness. Then we add on to it racial injustice. We add into that uh, people who, who are hijacking peace, peaceful protests and turning it into riots and, and just destroying cities. And there's so much that's coming at us we need to know what to do in difficult times. Last week I began a, a conversation with us on unity, and I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, but just a little reminder, or if you missed last week, we began in Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 4, and the Apostle Paul was, was correcting a couple ladies in the church who had began a disagreement. Now, I kind of chuckled at it last week because I couldn't pronounce their names, but I'm also kind of chuckling the fact that Paul actually called them out in church. He's like, this lady and this lady used their name and said, you two have got to work this out. And so in Philippians 2, we learned some principles about unity. But Paul wasn't finished with his discussion on unity, and so we're going to pick up today because the Apostle Paul said this. He says, if you want unity... In Philippians 2.5, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So out of Jesus' humility, he changed the world. Out of his humility, he bridged relationships. And so for the next few verses, I want to read these to you because you're going to get a picture of the humility of Jesus and how that changed the world, how he brought people together through his unity. And I really want unity. I want unity in our church. I want unity in our marriages. I want unity in our friendships. And I want unity within our culture among races. And so in Philippians 2, chapter 6 through 11, I'm going to read this to us. And then after that, I'm going to break it into some parts and we'll be able to learn how we can have humility for unity. So the Apostle Paul says this in verses 6 through 11. He says, though being Jesus, he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, to be able to clearly understand Jesus' humility, we need to break this down, and then we also need to see that that what the heights of Jesus' glory was so that we can see how deep his humility was. And so the Bible says in Philippians 2, 6, the very beginning part of what I just read, it says, though he was God, though Jesus was God, you need to know that Jesus is fully God. He isn't a lesser God. When he came to earth, he wasn't a sub-God. He was God. He was God that walked the earth. I love how Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 17 describes who Jesus is. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, he is God with flesh on. He's the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Jesus made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus and for him. He existed before everything else and he holds all of creation together. How many of you all saw this past week Doug and Bob, who were two astronauts that were launched from Cape Canaveral in a rocket, and they launched and went into outer space, and they landed and, and somehow partnered there with the, uh, the space station there. And I was amazed at what happened and watching that rocket take off. It was just phenomenal. There's a part of me that's just a little low-key jealous that they got to leave Earth during all of this going on and have some time away, but that's another story. Their mission, though, is a spectacular marvel of human ingenuity. The fact that they could figure out how to do all that, I have no idea how they do that. But the reality is that we, in our just marvel of human ingenuity, we can still only explore a very small, minute fraction of outer space. Yet the Bible says that Jesus holds all of it together. Jesus holds all of the work. Like, he sits in such a supreme place with so much power. Uh, he, he sits in his heavenly realms. And, and so on his high place of heaven, he sat to fully appreciate his humility, we need to kind of catch the, the understanding that he had his position in heaven as God. He sat there holding all creation together, exalted. No being is exalted to a higher place than Jesus. And so it says, though he was God, though he was this, the marvel of, of our imagination, he, he created it all. It says that Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He did not think of equality with God as something 
to cling to. You see, Jesus didn't argue with God about who had to come to earth. Uh, I, you know, he, he did not look at God and say, well, God, you know, you so love the world, so you so should go down to earth and take care of that. You so love the world, then you should go down there and sacrifice your body. No, Jesus didn't do it. He didn't cling to his position. Jesus, he didn't cling to his heavenly realm. Jesus didn't cling to a position. He clung to his purpose of helping people, helping a hurting world. You see, Jesus was secure in his identity. He was secure in his, uh, his, um, his identity of who he was and, and that he was secure in, in everything in his life. He knew his position in life. He knew that, yet he was able to lay aside his heavenly position for the purpose of helping a hurting world. We need to become secure enough in our own personal identity and the fact that God loves us and that God has created us. We need to become secure in our position to the point that we can set aside our agendas in order to hear and help someone else. You see, humility, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Humility doesn't cling to a position. It clings to a purpose. And we have to learn to lay down our personal agendas, lay down our position so we can serve a godly purpose. And so the Bible says in verse 7 that Jesus, instead of clinging to his position, it says he gave up his divine privileges in verse 7. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his authority. He gave up his power. He gave up his splendor in heaven. Jesus was always God, but he chose to become a human being. He chose to not use his divine powers on earth. He made himself fully human. And honestly, I can't quite figure all of that, how he was completely 100% God and completely 100% man at the same time. But that's what the Bible teaches us. Why, though, did Jesus have to rid himself of his divine privileges? Why did he lay down his, his splendor? Why did he lay down his, his um, power and, and his authority? Why did he do that? And I believe it's because Jesus had to identify with our humanity so that he would know how we are feeling. He would know what we are experiencing. He needed to be able to show us by the power of the Holy Spirit how to live our life. We have a Savior, Jesus, who knows our world. He knows humanity because He became humanity. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, it says, This high priest, being Jesus of ours, he understands. A good word right there for understands would be he, empath he empathizes with us. He understands. He, he feels our pain. Our high priest, he understands, he empathizes with our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he didn't sin. Listen, Jesus, he experienced human life and its limitations so he could empathize with our weaknesses and hurts. Paul said that we need to have an attitude like Jesus if we want to help people 
who are hurting. If we want unity, we need to humble ourselves like Jesus and be like Jesus. If we want to be part of the solution of unifying people, then we need to empathize with people. We need to feel what they feel. We, we cannot stay separated from the pains and the hurts that are happening. We need, to, we need to appreciate, we need to understand how people are feeling. We need to, we need to listen, we need to involve ourselves. Jesus came to earth, he involved himself with us so he could feel our pain, so he could relate to us, and then he could show us hope. If we want to be part of the solution, church, we need to empathize with others. Humility empathizes with others. And then out of Jesus' compassion, he began to serve others. He began to serve us. The Bible says in verse 7 again, he says, it says he took the humble position of a slave. Most translations don't use the word slave. They typically use the word servant rather than slave. In the New Living Translation, it says slave. And, and honestly, I'm fine with that as long as we understand it. What it means is that Jesus chained himself to the purpose of serving humanity. He, he became a slave of serving humanity. His calling had completely apprehended him. There was no turning back from what his calling was, what his, what his purpose was all about. He was prepared to fully engage himself in, in serving and saving humanity. He was a slave to his purpose. I believe what this means for you and I is that we can chain ourselves to our calling of serving others. Servanthood becomes our character. We become apprehended by a calling of serving others. We become apprehended. We become chained to a calling of serving others to the point that it becomes character for us. That it becomes our nature that we serve people. Jesus wasn't a part-time servant. He, he didn't clock in, click, and clock out, click, when he was through being a servant. He came as a servant. Jesus wasn't selective in his serving. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 and 28, it says, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to, first, to be first among you must become a slave. For even the Son of Man, it says, did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. If you only help others when you want to, if you only help people in how you want to do it, if you only help people when you want to do it, if you only help whom you want to help, then you're really not the kind of servant that Jesus was. He was humble, and in his humility, he served others. Humility serves others. If we want to change the world, if we want to be a part of the solution. Humility drives us to serve others. And the next verse in verse 8, Philippians 2.8, it says that Jesus, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Humility is obedient and sacrificial. Jesus didn't want to die a criminal's death. I mean, that wasn't on his 
can't wait to do this list. He didn't want to be mocked. He didn't want to be spit on. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to have his body broken. He didn't want nails pierced through his hands. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he was praying. And he asked God if he would take this cup of suffering away from him. The Bible says in Luke 22, 42, it says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You see, Jesus was obedient to what needed to be done, knowing that it would be coming at a great cost. Humility puts us in a position of sacrifice and obeying the Lord. Unity will cost you something. Unity always does. I want unity in my marriage. And it always costs me something. What does it cost me? It costs me my investment into her life. I want unity so much that I'm willing to serve her. I want, I want unity so much I'm willing to lift her life. I want to help her. You see, my life isn't lived for me, but it's lived for us. And it's a sacrifice at times because I can't just live for myself. I lay down some of my agenda so that I can lift her agenda, so that I can be part of her world. And she does the same for me. And when we do that, it becomes a real unified marriage. Humility is sacrificial. And it requires some humility to achieve unity. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself to serve his purpose of saving a hurting world. And as a result of this, in verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, because he, in his humility, he, he did these things of bringing people together, it says that God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible says that there is no other name in which man may be saved except by the name of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled his purpose. It says that every person who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Jesus fulfilled his purpose but he did it through his humility. And Paul said, if we want to change the world, if we want to settle disagreements, if we want to bring unity, then we have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He was humble. And through his humility, he fulfilled his purpose. So I bring these thoughts to you today. And now I want to move it to a conversation about racial unity. I want to take these principles that I just taught and then lay over them the issues of racial division and injustice. And, and I want to kind of take what I just taught you and put it in a real practical way on how we live this out as believers, how we live this out in this, in this place of division today, because I believe the Word of God addresses it. And so if you'll just kind of chase with me just a minute and let me lay over some principles over racial division that's happening right now. And I just want to say, please, 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 people, church, friends, hear my heart. Hear my heart in this. I'm, I'm so aware of all of the correctness in terminology and that it matters so much. And, and I want to be so 100% correct on everything. I really do. Uh, sometimes that 
it's, it's such a pressure to say things right. We, we fail to say anything at all. And so I'm going to say what I think is right. And if it comes out a little uncomfortable or something, please, please understand my heart. And if something needs to kind of be discussed, then send me a private message. Help me get better. But I want to be a voice in our culture today. And so I want to take these principles of humility and lay them over what we've been talking about with racial uh, division and racial injustice. And the first principle that I mentioned about Jesus was that in his humility, he did not cling to a position, but he was clinging to a purpose. Humility doesn't cling to a position, it clings to a purpose. You see, humility cares about hurting people more than their own personal agenda. Did you hear that? Humility cares about hurting people more than their own personal agenda. And right now, our African-American friends are hurting. And we all need to press pause for just a moment on our positions and our agendas and recognize and validate their pain and their injustice. As an example, when someone hears the, the, the language of all lives matter, right now in the middle of this current crisis, to those that hear that, they feel like you're deflecting your recognition that black lives are hurting right now and they're suffering through injustice. I haven't had any time with an African-American friend that doesn't think that all lives matter. Everybody knows that all lives matter. Everybody agrees that, that cops' lives matter. Everybody agrees that white lives matter. Jesus created us all. He loves us all equally. But just right now, black lives are hurting from injustice. Let me give you an example of how I would relate this to this particular conversation. A couple months ago, Harriet, she broke her ankle and she called me and, and I rushed to meet her at the emergency clinic. And when we got there, we rushed into the doctor and I said to the doctor, you know, please quickly come check her ankle. She's in a lot of pain. If the doctor had said to me, hey, all her body parts matter, I'm gonna check her elbow. I would have said, are you crazy right now? Her elbow's fine, pay attention to what matters. Her ankle matters. And so sometimes we miss the picture of saying that, that black people are hurting, that there's pain there. And when we post that all lives matter, you're just missing the timing. You're missing the bigger point of what's being said. Right now, when a black person hears us say or someone say all lives matter, all they hear is someone who doesn't understand their pain right now. And that doesn't help. Humility cares about hurting people more than their own personal position. That's humility. And here's another thing. I believe that we need to use our voice to advocate for hurting people. And we need to advocate for people who are suffering from injustice. We need to use our voice. Back to the story of Harriet. When we got to the emergency room, I told Harriet, you sit here, let me go check you in. Let me go to the counter 
and began to get help. And when I got to the counter, I said, my wife is hurting. I think she broke her ankle. I need help right now. And he said, well, I need you to fill out this paperwork. And I said, I really don't care about your paperwork. I want you to come check her ankle right now. Get her something that helps. And he's like, well, I'm going to need payment. I'm like, here's my visa card. I just want to let you know she's hurting. You see, I wasn't hurting, but I was advocating for her who was hurting. And I think right now is a time that those who aren't hurting need to advocate for those who are hurting. Another principle that I taught about Jesus' humility is that humility empathizes with others. What does this look like? Empathy. Empathy always tries to feel someone else's pain. It tries to understand what they're feeling, why they're feeling this way. Empathizes. Humility empathizes with others. I was listening to an incredible uh, interview with Pastor T.D. Jakes this week. And in his, uh, and if you don't know T.D. Jakes, he's an incredible uh, African-American pastor. He, uh, he has ginormous church, lots of influence, written many books, speaks at conferences, and, and really is an authority. And, and so I was listening to this interview with T.D. Jakes this week. And in this interview, he shared a story about his son who was recently in a car wreck. Now, he, now I, I don't know if I said it, but T.D. Jakes is an African-American pastor. And so uh, his son was in a car wreck. And when his son called him, he said, Dad, I've been in a wreck. And after he got over the panic, as any father would, about your son being in a wreck and, and he was okay, he asked him, he said, how was the other person? And he said, well, he might be injured, I don't know. And he said, have you called the police? And he said, the police are on the way. And T.D. Jakes had at that moment a place of fear that rose up within him because there was no other witnesses. There was no one else around. And he was concerned that this may be one of those cops that is one of the bad apples. And so he told his son, he said, I want you to keep me on speakerphone so I can listen to the conversation. Fortunately, that day there was a, an amazing cop that came. There was an amazing policeman that came and supported and listened, treated everyone with dignity. Uh, T.D. Jakes, in his interview, he went on to affirm that, that the vast majority of policemen are, are great men and women that, that serve our country. But there are a few bad apples in there. And when he saw that policeman with his knee in that man's neck, in George Floyd's neck, it brought to the surface all the fears that he's had. Humility says, I hear you. You see, I, I honestly, I personally don't understand that kind of fear. I haven't had to live in that particular type of situation. I, I don't see it. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't recognize those types of situations. But just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it's not true for our black community. And what humility says is, is I hear you. Humility says, I believe you. Humility says, I support you in change. Because humility empathizes with others. Humility empathizes. As a pastor, I've learned over the years that as a white pastor, that if I'm going to pastor African-American people in my church, then I have to weep with those that weep. I have to 
feel the issues that matter to my African-American community. I have to feel what they feel and their voice matters if I'm going to be a pastor to a multi, uh, multi-racial church. Another principle that I'll finish up with is humility is sacrificial. Humility is sacrificial. I know that there are some African-American people that have taken some heat for leaving their predominantly African-American church to attend what they would say is a predominantly white church. And so they've been criticized by their friends for coming to a church that doesn't match their culture and what they look like in every area. And so they've taken heat for that. I just want to say to our African-American community that calls this your church home, that if you're willing to take heat from your friends for joining me, I'll take the heat from my friends for joining you. I love you and I stand with you. I hope there's a good amen on the other side of that camera today. But it's true. We stand together. We stand together. We'll sacrifice together. And that's why I've also helped organize a prayer walk this Sunday. So for all of us that are listening this on Sunday, on Sunday, June 7th, we have organized a prayer walk. And I want to invite everyone from our church to participate in this. We're partnering with several other churches. Uh, One of our county commissioners is working with us. And so we've organized a prayer walk for this Sunday, June 7th, from 4 o'clock to 5.30. And I want to encourage you to join me, join me with other pastors, join me with other people in our community for a very peaceful prayer walk. We want to demonstrate that we are one body, one people, praying for our nation, praying for our city, and we are standing together. And so would you please join me today, 4 o'clock, join me downtown at the Cape Fear Community College parking lot. We're going to start there, we're going to walk down to the river, then we're going to stand there for an hour in silence and pray, and we're just going to pray. And then after that, we'll gather for a quick moment of worship and declare that Jesus is Lord over our city. And so I really want you to join me for this prayer walk with other people in our city. Amen to that. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, church, I know that some of this was not a typical message. And I hope you know that I'm not trying to lecture you. Honestly, I'm in a process of understanding, learning, and growing as well. So I pray my words are helpful, not hurtful to anyone. But I really want the pulpit of Life Community Church, sorry, Life Church, That's funny. Life Church, I want our pulpit to declare hope, biblical unity through humility today so that we all come together and we all live together in unity. I want to pray as I close. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for our nation. Granted, not perfect. We're feeling the the ripple effects of injustice God, I pray that all those who are hurting from this would feel love and compassion from our nation today. I pray that those who are hurting would feel love and compassion from their city today. I pray for those who are hurting would feel love and compassion from their church today and from their leaders today. And Father, I pray that you would bring healing and hope to everyone, God. And Father, I pray that 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 today would mark a season of recognizing 
how to serve one another and how to be humble in our approach and how to make a difference with our life. God, I know you can do great things. And so we lift you up today in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Church, I love you. Thanks for tuning in online. We'll be back next week. We'll be continuing our series out of the book of Philippians, When Life Gives You Lemons. So God bless you. See you soon.